Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it is a refreshing breath of life unto us, God. We thank you for the many lessons, the many applicable things that we can learn from studying your word. Your word, God, is so effective for uh, the correcting, the challenging, the inspiring, the encouraging, the pulling down of strongholds, Father God. And so, Lord, we just pray that your word will do its work in us this morning as we read it, as we study it. I pray that this morning your word would come alive unto us, God, and that we would be able to receive the word that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, let's get into it. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. By the way, I'm reading in the ESV translation, the ESV English Standard Version, verse 2. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought the, to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their, por of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no re regard. Another version of the Bible says he rejected Cain's offering. So Cain was very angry. And his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his, his brother. And when they were in a field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from, the, from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to, it, to, to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from the from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. 
Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in a land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of that city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, Ira, and Irad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives. The, the name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal, Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son called his name and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Take a sip real quick here. Good. All right. So. Here we have a very familiar story of the Bible about the two brothers named Cain and Abel, right? And he starts off the chapter by saying, the author starts off the chapter by saying that Adam knew Eve, which that word knew in the NIV version, it made it very clear that Adam made love to his wife, right? They got busy. They finally obeyed the command of the Lord <laughs> to be fruitful and multiplied. And so when the Bible uses the word new, oftentimes it is speaking of sexual relations between a man and a woman. And I love the fact that he uses the word new uh, because really, in a sense, it's bringing out the truth and the reality and the depth of sexual relations between a man and a woman. And that when you are intimate with each other, you know each other in the most intimate possible way. It is the deepest form of knowing a person that you could ever come to, right? And so this is why, um, as believers, we believe that sexual relationships, intimacy, is not something to be taken lightly. But God sees intimacy and sexual relationship as something that is deep and should be pure and it should be between a man and a woman who are married in the context of a married relationship. And in this context, we see that Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore a boy named Cain, uh, saying, verse one, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So it's interesting that she didn't call him a boy. She didn't have a boy, right? 
it says, I brought forth a man, which means that she understood that this male was going to grow up to be a man. But I think there's something deeper there in that if you remember when they had fallen in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a promise that through their seed would be brought the Messiah who would redeem all of humanity. So it is a possibility that the moment Eve conceived a man, a boy, um, and had this boy, that she could have possibly thought, hey, I've given birth to the Messiah. And so it's interesting because when Cain is born, you get the, the, the definition of his name, which is, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. In the NIV version, it says, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Uh, but with Abel, we get no defin definition for his name, right? So that's significant in the fact that it could have meant that Eve saw the significance in Cain's birth. And what she did not realize was that Cain was actually going to go down a different path, right? So this is the first time we see sexual relationships being mentioned in the Bible. Uh, we see the difference between the significance of their birth. Cain is defined by a, a man that is produced by the help of the Lord. Abel has no definition. However, what we're going to see is the dynamics between Cain and Abel and this dynamics between the two of them and God, right? In verse three, we see, in the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, right? And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. What we see here is the two brothers bringing their offerings as a form of worship to God. Cain brings some sort of uh, vegetation, fruit, right? He was a farmer, but he brought forth some kind of vegetation, right? And it says that when Cain brings some fruit, God does not regard Cain's offering. But Abel brings a different offering. Abel brings the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So here's the way I would say it. Cain brought something from his harvest. Abel brought the best of his harvest, right? Cain brought something from his harvest, but Abel brought the best from his harvest. It's interesting that the author defines the significance of Abel's offering. Number one, it was the firstborn, right? The firstborn was significant because it wasn't something like I waited for something else to come right? He gave the first of what he received, the first of his animals. He gave the first fruits of his animals unto God, but not just that, he gave of their fat portions, which in that time was prized as its luxury, was prized as the best parts of the animal. Uh, what is What was to be given to God when the animal was sacrificed. So the fat was what was supposed to be given unto God, was what was supposed to be sacrificed on the altar uh, before the Lord, according to Leviticus uh, chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, 
and Leviticus 27, verses 23 to 25. But not just that, the burning of fat in a sacrifice before God is also called a sweet aroma to the Lord in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 6. You can write all these things down. We don't have time to go uh, read them, but if you read them, you see the significance of the offering or the sacrifice that Abel brought. Cain just brought an offering. Abel brought the offering. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's just a difference, right? And so as Cain and Abel are presenting these offerings to the Lord, there's obviously some distinguishing between the two because one offering God regards, God respects, God honors. In another offering, Cain's offering, God does not regard, he does not accept. And we do not know how it is that God rejected this offering or accepted this offering because it's not made clear. Uh, some people believe that, you know, when an offering was pleasant unto the Lord, you see it in the book of Judges and others and other uh, stories in the Bible, God would consume the offering with fire. We don't know if that's the case here, but there was obviously some sort of external evidence for Abel and Cain to be able to see that God accepted their offering or did not regard their offering. And that is the case in this story. However they know, they know that God did not regard their offering or he regarded their offering. But there's a distinguishing factor between Cain and Abel's offerings, and that is found in the book of Hebrews, right? Why is it that God honored Abel's offering received Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's. If you go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, really quickly, we see the distinguishing factor between Cain's offering and Abel's offering. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says this, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The distinguishing factor between Abel's offering and Cain's offering was faith. It was by faith that Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. The sacrifice and offering that Abel offered to God that Abel offered to the Lord was one that was motivated, inspired by, driven by, and inspired and motivated by faith and a desire to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's what makes a difference. I'll put it to you this way. Cain's offering was an effort of dead religion. Cain's offering was an effort of dead religion, right? And God will never accept or bless dead religious activity. God will never accept uh, dead religious, uh, redundant, non-inspired, uh, going through the motions, traditional worship. That's something, when God is not looking for an act, right? I'll put it to you this way. As a worship pastor, one of the things that I try to teach the worship team is that worship is not a matter of an act, but an act, a matter of the heart, right? Worship is not a matter of an act, 
but a matter of the heart. It's not about what you do or do not do. It is not about what you bring or do not bring. It's a matter of the heart behind what you do or do not do. It's a matter of the heart behind what you bring or do not bring. The problem was truly not what Cain brought to the Lord. The problem was the heart behind what Cain brought to the Lord. Does that make sense? What, what mattered to God was not what Cain brought. Because really, uh, I was doing as I was doing my studying, uh, one of the commentaries said that Cain's offering would have been more aesthetically pleasing, more artistic, more beautiful. Why? Because in order to sacrifice an animal, there was a bloody mess, right? Like, think about it. You're gutting. Think about, I don't know, many, there's probably some of you right now who are hunters, right? Thinking about the mess you make when you gut a deer or you gut a turkey or any other thing you hunt, a duck, whatever the case may be. Think of all the blood that gets everywhere, right? Cain's offering would have been way more aesthetically pleasing, less messy, and more beautiful than blood and guts everywhere and the mess that he would have created. So the problem was not what, what Cain brought. The problem was the heart behind Cain, what Cain brought. Cain did not bring the best because he did not have the best view of God. And that really is the, 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 the motive behind worship, right? That is the motive behind it all. And that's what God cares about the most. I often have conversations with our musicians because as musicians, and I could tell you this, as a musician myself, I, like I get, I often get caught up in the excellence factor. Like, and, and I, and I, sometimes I believe that excellence is defined by perfection, right? And, and if some way, if I mess up on a chord or if I mess up on a vocal or if I don't hit the right note or if my harmony is off or whatever the case may be, then my offering of worship unto God is not good enough because it's not pure. It's not perfect. Or I, I would use perfect instead of pure because it's not perfect, right? But the fact is that God is not so much concerned with what we bring him as much as he is why we bring it, right? God is not so much concerned with the act of our worship or the act of our offering or the size of our worship or the size of our offering. Let's, let's talk about the blessed life and generosity, right? God is not so concerned with how much you bring to the offering plate or to the offering envelope. God is not so much concerned with how much you're putting into the kiosk as much as he is concerned with the heart behind what you're putting into the kiosk. God is not concerned with how much you're depositing through the app as much as he is with the heart behind what you're depositing through the app. It is all about your heart. And the reason why Cain's offering was not accepted by the Lord was because of the condition of his heart. And I believe that this is why sometimes we tend to get frustrated as human beings, right? Because we often think that if we just perform, if we just do, if we just bring, if we just give, let's, let me tell you something. You could be the most generous person in the church, 
give thousands and thousands of dollars, right? You can be the most talented musician and play the best in the entire church. I mean, absolute raw talent and sound the greatest and God can still reject your worship. And God could still reject your offering because it's a matter of the heart. Question for you today. What's, what's going on in your heart? What's the motive behind what you bring? What is the motive behind what you do? What is the motive behind your worship? What is the motive behind your generosity? What is the motive behind what you bring unto God? Because it is your heart that is revealed in what you do. For some of us, some of us are extremely generous, but the motive behind that is that we want people to know that we're generous. Some of us are not generous, and the motive behind that is because we are afraid, we lack faith, we don't trust God, or we're flat out just selfish, and we're trying to hoard for ourselves right? What is the motive behind our hearts? Because the truth is that God can see the heart behind the actions. What you bring to the Lord is a reflection of what is going on in your heart. The offerings and the worship that you bring to the Lord, more than anything, reveal and expose what's going on on the inside of you. The truth is that God, and that for Cain, this was just a religious activity, and he proved it by what he brought to the Lord. It was just some of his harvest, not the best of his harvest. Why? Because the view he had of God was reflected in what he did. I will say it this way. How we view God will determine how we worship him. How we view God will determine how we worship him, right? The reason we don't give him our best is because we don't view God as the best. The reason we withhold from God is because deep down inside, there's an element of belief that he is not worth it. And that's the truth. That's a hard pill to swallow for many of us. But the truth is that the reason why Cain did not give God the best is because he did not believe God was worthy of the best. And he, he was just going through the motions. He's just performing a dead religious activity. And verse, the sad reality is that for many of us in church, that is the truth behind our faith. It is a dead religious activity. And what it we're lacking is, is the heart of true, genuine love and relationship with the Lord, which is what God desires. Listen, I tell the worship team this all the time. God does not, God is not looking for a perfect worship. God is not looking for a perfect offering. What God is looking for is pure worship, a worship that is brought to him in spirit and in truth. That's why we see when you look at the book of Isaiah and all kinds of uh, Old Testament 
uh, books, you see God over and over again saying, these, these people, they worship me with their lips. They worship me with their activities. They, they bring me all kinds of offerings, but they don't worship me with their heart. God is a God who does not look at the external, but he looks at the internal, right? Verse 5 continues for Cain, and he says, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? Right? What we do know is that we have no idea how it was that God rejected Cain's offering. But Cain felt that rejection. And when he felt that rejection, he was angry. And so God lovingly confronts Cain and he's like, bro, why are you so mad? <laughs> why are you so mad? You know, in your heart, you did not give me the best, right? God shows up to him and he's like, Cain, why, why are you so angry? Why has your face fallen? And then he lovingly confronts Cain and he says, if you do well, in verse seven, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. In other words, God makes it a point to lovingly confront Cain, ask him, why are you so mad? You know, in your heart, you did not give me the best of the best. Think about it this way. In a sense, God said to him, give me the best of you and I will give you the best of me. That's what God is saying, right? If you do well, you will be accepted. If you do not do well, then you will not be accepted, right? If you do well, you will be accepted. So if you give me the best, then I will give you the best of me, right? You, you reap what you sow. Now, this is not a gospel of works. This is not, A, I got to do everything I can for God to demonstrate his love for me. But the point that God is making is that you will reap what you sow. If you, don't, if you do not do well, it will not go well for you. That's just the reality of the truth. If you do not live well, it will not go well for you. So the consequences that you have received you brought on yourself, right? Like I didn't reject you because I'm this horrible, miserable, bad God. It actually, what God is saying is, hey, you know, I'm good. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm faithful. You know that according to Hebrews eleven six, I am the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. I am a good God. I'm merciful. Why, why are you so mad? You brought me a bad offering. I rejected it, not because I'm a horrible God, but because I'm a good God. I'm a faithful God. I'm a loving God. I'm a just God. I'm, I'm a rewarder of what you give me, right? And so it, what he says in essence is you get out of this what you put into it, right? You get out of this what you put into it. But Cain, uh, Cain could resist sin and find blessing, or he could give into sin and be devoured right? Because he says this to Cain, Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Sin's desire is contrary to you. In other words, sin's desire is to overtake you. Sin's desire is to consume you. Sin's desire is to destroy you. Now, this is God 
demonstrating his love, demonstrating his mercy, demonstrating his kindness because he's warning Cain. Cain, you're at a crossroads right now, right? You're, you're, you're angry. You're upset. Let me tell you, sin is at the door. And that is the truth for all of us. Sin is at the door. Sin wants to consume us. Sin wants to overtake us. Sin wants to destroy us. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, steal, and to destroy. Sin wants is out to destroy our lives. But what I love about the goodness and the mercy of God is that he also tells Cain, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. Meaning you do not have to give it into sin. You don't have to let sin in. You don't have to open to the door to sin. You don't have to give in to sin. You don't have to become a slave to sin. You actually can rule over it, right? You must rule over it. But the way to rule over it, the way that we prevent sin from ruling us or ruling over us is by allowing God to master us first. The way that we prevent sin from ruling over us is allowing God to be our master and master us from within, because without God as our master, we will be slaves to sin. The only way that sin can consume us is, a, is when we are not surrendered unto God. Sin will always be at the door. There will always be that, that, that temptation. But we do not have to open that door. Unfortunately for Cain, Cain opened that door wide open. Cain opened the door wide open. And in verse 8, we see how he did it. He said, Cain spoke to his brother. And when they were in a field, so Cain comes up with this whole plan. He draws his brother into, a, 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 into the field. And when, when they're talking, Cain rose up against his brother abel and killed him then the lord said to cain where is abel your brother and he said i do not know am i my brother's keeper let me answer that question for you yes cain am i my brother's keeper absolutely we are to serve one another we're to love one another we are to care for one another we are to bring all things into the pot so that no one is lacking anything right? Like that is the, the, the number one commandment, right? It's to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. The second one is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? There's no greater love than this, than that of one who would lay down his life for his brother. Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely, right? We are to care for one another, but Cain had given into sin so much that he totally disregarded that. And rather than keeping his brother's life, he takes it. Rather than keeping his brother's life, he takes it. And he says, he says uh, that he murdered him. And when he said, where is Abel? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And isn't that crazy that God is so in tune with us, so connected with us, that he was so in tune with Abel, that he's so connected with Abel, 
that he knew Abel so well that the blood of Abel, he said, is crying out to me from the ground. I love that God gave Cain the opportunity to repent because he knew what he had done. He had seen what Cain had done. This was not a surprise to God. Nothing happens by chance to God. Like, it's not like, oh, well, oh, gosh, I didn't, didn't see that coming. You know what I mean? I, I guess we got to go to plan C. Like, God knew what happened, but he was given Abel the opportunity to confess and repent, right? But then he says in verse 10, and the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Listen to me. When you give into sin, you accept the consequences of it. When you give into sin, you accept and even invite the consequences of it. There will always Sin will always lead to death. Sin will always lead to curse. Sin will always remove you from the blessings of God, right? And that is the case that we see for Cain. And now you are cursed from the ground, verse 11, which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to its strength, to you its strength, meaning that everything you do will be fruitless, where you were once fruitful, when you have, since you have given into sin, everything you do will be fruitless, right? There will be no blessing. And he says, uh, you shall become a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. In verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, which is the only thing he ever knew, right? The only thing he ever knew was how to be a farmer. And now God has driven him away from that because he gave into his sin. And it says, and from your face, I shall be hidden. Sin separates us from God, right? That's why he says that from your face, I shall be hidden because now his sin has separated, has severed his relationship with God. Sin always separates us from God. And we need his, we need to repent and we need his forgiveness. We need his mercy to bring us back, right? And so he says in verse uh, 14, uh, I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But in verse 15, we see the mercy of God again. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. And settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And then we go through the entire family history of Cain, which we won't go back over. But here's the thing, guys. Sin will always separate us from God. There will always be that temptation at the door, right? We get out of this relationship with God what we put into it. Cain did not put in the best. Therefore, God could not reward him with the best. And so we always have to check our hearts. What is the motive behind what we do? What is the motive behind our worship? What is the motive behind what we bring to the Lord? Because God will always look at the motive. He will always see the heart. This is not a matter of the act. This is not a matter of what we do. It is a matter of why we do it. We will always right? If we do not have the best view of God, 
we will not be able to give him our best worship. If we do not see God for his worth, then we will never be able to offer him something that he's worthy of, right? That's why the Bible says God is great and greatly to be praised, right? It's not that he is greatly, he's just simply greatly praised. He's great, and because he's great, worship has to be directly correlated to that and has to be a great worship, right? And so what is the motive? What is your view? What is your perspective of God? Because when you view God the right way, listen to me, you can bring him a messy, a messy worship. You can bring him a messy sacrifice like Abel, a bloody, messy, but you're bringing him the best, right? You're bringing him the best. And so I just want to encourage you as we go into the weekend, we're continuing the Blessed Life series. Um, and it's been incredible. Uh, Pastor Robert Morris is going to be preaching to us again. And uh, Pastor Brendan is going to be back with us as well. It's going to be an incredible week. But as we go into it, ask the Lord, God, search, search my heart. Search my heart. Am I generous because of the, the, the view that I have of you? Is my generosity motivated by my view of your greatness, of your goodness, of your faithfulness? Am I giving you my best or am I withholding from you? Because the truth is, when it comes to tithing, we when we give unto God, we give him the first fruits because he did not withhold his first fruit from us. We give him the best because he never withholds the best from us. And so we give him 10% as an act of faith, as an act of love, believing that God could do more with 90 than we can do with 100. Amen. And so let's, let's just ask God to, to check our hearts, to, to um, really search our hearts the way the psalmist would say. God, search my heart. See if there's anything unclean. See if there's any form of pride. See if there's any form of selfishness. See if there's any form of withholding. God, we don't we don't want to bring you, um, we don't want to bring you just an offering. We want to bring you the best. And so, Lord, today, I pray for us, God. I pray um, that as we go into the weekend, God, as we go into worship, as we go into uh, as we bring you our offerings, God, as we bring you our worship, Lord, as we bring you our lives, God, I pray that our hearts would be motivated to, to worship you and to bring you an offering of nothing but our best because we know that you are worthy of it because you are a good God, because you are merciful, loving faithful God who's always with us, who always blesses us. God, help us, give us the strength to continue to keep the door closed to sin, to continue to keep the door closed to, to everything that wants to consume us, destroy us. God, help us to choose righteousness, God. Help us to honor you with our, not just our mouths, but with our hearts and with our lives. God, help us to do 
everything that we can to bring you glory, to bring you honor, simply because you are worthy of it. And so, Lord, we just love you, we honor you, we glorify you, we worship you, and we magnify you. And I just pray that this, as we go into the weekend, God, and our week comes to an end, as we enter in our Sabbath, God, our time of rest, God, may we draw closer to you, Lord. May we be encouraged. May we be refreshed. Uh, may we be energized, God. And Lord, may we give you a place at the foot of the cross, God, all of our burdens, all of our concerns, all of our worries, and come before you with praise, thanksgiving, in prayer and supplication, trusting and believing that you will grant us the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, we just love you. We honor you. We want to bring you nothing but the best. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.